Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Uh, I am pumped today to have Marcus Philly on the podcast. This is a uh, dual episode, Founder Series number 20, Athlete Series number 7. Marcus is a four-times CrossFit Games athlete. His highest finish was back in 2016, where he finished 12th. Since CrossFit, he has left the sport professionally and is now the founder of Revival Strength, which is a physical gym in Northern California, as well as a lot of online coaching um, and uh, you know direction as far as his way of exercise, which he coined functional bodybuilding. He's also a podcast host, and uh, Marcus is a really just intellectually uh, intelligent guy. Had a blast talking to him, learning about you know his career as a CrossFit Games athlete, how he got into um, health, wellness, you know, coming up with functional bodybuilding, and then how he really came out and um, designed Revival Strength. We we honestly didn't get into a ton of the Revival Strength business um, topics, and you know, this is one of those episodes where just a great conversation. It flowed the whole time, and then we got to the end. And realize, uh, you know, we need a round two uh, that we're going to do because we really didn't get into too many financial topics in this one. Um, As you guys are listening to, I did this episode a little bit differently. Um, First and foremost, I'm trying a little bit of a change where instead of doing this very formal introduction and having them run through, um, you know, a little background of themselves, I like to just kind of hit the ground running when we start recording um, and just start talking. And I've noticed, uh, I've done this for a couple episodes now, and this is the first one I'm posting like this. Uh, They feel more natural, and I I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know what you think. Um, And we do also have a little bit of a hiccup, a technical difficulty. Marcus lost power in the middle, so there's a little bit of a glitch. Then we come back. uh, I try to edit it out as best as possible. But Thank you guys all for listening. Um, the only thing I wanted to add real quick, as always, I have the links to Marcus's information, Instagram, which is his you know biggest platform, uh, as well as Revival Strength. And it, as always, if you guys, you know, as we're nearing the end of 2020 and you're thinking about 2021, if you want to get into investing, I always suggest Robinhood. And I also have a link, the COVID Stock Market Rebound Tracker. That is a go-to free resource for all of you listeners um, for the stocks that I'm currently looking at, either invested in or thinking about investing in, and really just keeping on my radar. Um, So thank you again for listening. And without further ado, right after this, Marcus Philly. Marcus, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Shane. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for uh, coming on, man. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. How's everything going? Everything is going fairly well. Yeah, we're uh, me and my wife and two kids. We live out here in um, just north of San Francisco. And love that spot. The California situation has been, um, I don't know, different than. Some places, not worse, not necessarily better, but just different. And, um, but yeah, we're, we're making the best of the situation and our, um, yeah, our, our family's healthy and 
everybody's happy right now. Good. Yeah, that's good, mm-hmm. man. Um, I'm in Chicago and it's, it's, I think it's similar. I think you guys are under a little tighter, I feel like restrictions than we are maybe. I've noticed too. I, I, don't, so. know a, I don't know if it's a Chicago thing, but because it's cold, obviously now, um, a lot of the restaurants are supposed to be closed and they're like not closing. <laughs> they're just yeah. like, they're kind of like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're supposed to do. You know, I mean like some of those, like I would think like Chicago's the New York, some of those like in the winter, unless they have some sort of creative way to uh, have outdoor dining, that's not freezing cold. I don't know how those businesses survive. I know it's, <clears throat> it's really interesting seeing just like what everybody was anticipating to happen because of the climate just changing or like just sort of the, the temperature and the weather's changing in the winter. Um, it's all coming to light. It's just seeing like your decision-making process when it was nice outside and sunny and you could just socially distance and go to parks and it's like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm totally on board. Like let's, right. you know, we're in this together. And then it's like, it's cold, it's wet. I don't want to go outside screw these regulations. I'm going to do it this way. And right. I'm not, it's, it's not, you know, I, sh- I don't know. No, I don't have judgment for anybody. I, I, I've tried to maintain a position throughout this whole thing of like, I can't really be in any, I'm not in anybody else's shoes. I'm just in my own. Yeah, I have my right. own challenges and we are doing well in certain ways that other people are not. So, you know, it's really hard to see the world through someone else's eyes in this pandemic and, and just the current culture of our, country and everything it's i know it is it's crazy it's really a crazy time um i know me and my wife last night were talking about uh how interesting it'll be once enough like i don't know what's going to happen to regulations and like even things like masks once there's enough people vaccinated like i wonder what that world that world will look like where like because i don't know if you have you ever seen any of those movies where like they've similar concepts of what's going on and then you have people who are like wearing bands or something that shows that they're they're vaccinated uh it'll be right. interesting to see you know what i mean what the next stage looks like yeah yeah less, I'm, I'm i mean I, i'd proudly wear a band if i was vaccinated just to let everybody like, just to let people right. know like hey i'm you don't have to be afraid of me or something like that yeah but exactly at the same time it's like you know that's a what is where does that take us as a society and i don't know i, I it's such it's just so it's so polarized in, in, in so many ways right now in terms of political and yeah, political issues that are going on that <clears throat> unfortunately a public health concern has become tied up and wrapped up in, you know, politics, which I don't know that it necessarily will ever be separated. Yeah, um, sure. That's, that goes back beyond just this pandemic for sure. But right. It's, it's just, you know, I have not really experienced in my lifetime something or a sequence of events or, you know, global events that have made me <clears throat> so acutely aware of the position that people take on issues that are super sensitive. Yeah. Right? Like when, when there's like, I haven't, I mean, granted there was like the, the Iraq and the Afghan, Afghanistan wars, um, those, but I was, I don't know. That was like, that was now a number of years ago when I wasn't, yeah. I don't know. I guess I wasn't as engaged. I didn't have as much at stake. And, you know, with like being kind of a father now, family and running a business, like just being a bit more aware and in tune uh, with what's happening. I'm just seeing how this is uh, playing out for a number of different people. And uh, in my circles, my close circles, my kind of extended circles, the people I'm sort of acquaintances with, of course, social media makes us like 
you just see into everybody's life like right. what they're doing and how they're choosing to it's uh it's really remarkable and it's it's sad to me because you know i used to be able to judge somebody on not judge somebody but like get to know somebody on sort of the interactions that i had with them and right. like hey we're here in this moment how do you impact my life how do i impact your life what kind of energy do we create between us you know I, I value you for those reasons and and then now i'm like i'm seeing this whole other like insight into people's lives where i'm right. like oh whoa like i don't know how i feel about you and how you reacted to that election result or that you know a CDC recommendation or the way you're carrying and conducting yourself out there, what you said about so-and-so or how you responded to BLM and, you know, the, the summer events that were happening, the protests, the, it's like, Oh gosh, this is just, this is all too much. I got to turn it off. So I don't I know <laughs> I get back to just creating relationships with people based upon how they in, interact with me. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I know. I feel like maybe it's also driven just so much by the, um, I don't know. We're just so wrapped up in social media now more than ever. It's just like, depending on what you're, especially if you're someone, you know, who has a following, it seems like almost like, I feel like the people I know who have decent followings feel a lot of pressure too. when like big things are happening. Like what stance am I taking? How do Mm -hmm. I, you can't just ignore it sometimes. Uh, You know what I mean? And just keep doing your normal thing. It's, it's difficult. It's, it is, it's tough. I have a, like, I have a morning routine of like answering direct messages on Instagram, just sort of, yeah, getting back to people. And, you know, I usually just scroll like chronologically. And then every once in a while, I'll hit the button that like lets me pull up every unread messages. I try and like zero out everything. I'm a, okay. I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm a zero way. out the inbox kind of guy. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like some days it'll just, it'll go back like 20 weeks or something like that. And it'll find some that I missed. Oh, which, interesting. Yeah. Like in just two, two days ago, for whatever reason, when I clicked the unread, it went back to, <clears throat> I don't know, 30 weeks ago, 25, whatever the number of weeks ago was, where there was a whole section of messages that I hadn't responded to. And it was the week, it was like, it was like the, the really most powerful week around um, the George Floyd, you know, uh, murder, protests, oh, wow. everything. Yeah. And, and I had, I was remembering, because it was all these messages to me as a social influencer right. about my my particular response and reaction to what was happening, oh, and wow. it was just it brought. I mean, I I went I live I kind of went through it. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah. just mentioned it, but right. it was just a reminder. It was like just a couple of days ago I saw these messages. Like, oh my gosh! Like there were a lot of people that were very upset with me, or very uh, they they were like more than encouraging me, but it's like sort of demanding that I, I take a stance and I say something and I use my platform for a particular purpose, a particular reason. Um, and it was, I just remember it being like a very uh, kind of confusing time because I'm yeah. over here like juggling a pandemic and being at home and being a stay at home dad and running a business and having feeling like there's a lot happening in my own life. And then recognizing that there's something really big happening nationally that I'm, you know, not super informed on, but I need to get informed on and I need to stay connected to what's happening so that I can, you know, potentially speak to an audience from sure. the, yeah. from like a position of influence because I, I exercise and I teach people about exercise. You yeah. Know, it's, it was, it's isn't just, that crazy? How like you totally even crazy. think back like 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't even a thing really no, no. not to the scale yeah. as today. Right. And I mean, not, people not even who close. Were, 
if you were doing what you were doing now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, I mean, you know. 10, 15 years ago, I was on Facebook, you know, hoping that the girl would poke me back on freaking Facebook. Right, you're right. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's so <laughs> funny, true, right? MySpace, the poke, top 10. The poke and the super poke was like, whoa, she right? just super poked me back. <laughs> I am, I forgot I am about definitely that. going to say hi to her in the dining hall. That is so funny. That's so true. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's crazy how much things have just, I mean, it feels like, to me, it feels like we're like on warp speed. Like just, it's everything's just progressing so fast. I mean, when I read... Well, the social dilemma that that uh, Netflix documentary or yeah, that was crazy. I read, was, I watched that, and then I was listening to it, they they mentioned this fact in the movie where they talked about this uh, you know trend as well as I was reading um, Tools of Titans and there was some authors that was that talking. Too. That's funny. Oh yeah, there was yeah. somebody that was uh, one of the chapters was just talking about the the rate of change of you know computer processors and the speed by which like these processors and their capacity to do computations is doubling every so you know so often which is and and in the social dilemma they were talking about like you know human brain capacity and like our ability to process thoughts and like the speed at which that increases versus like the ai like the, the the technology behind a lot of these applications and how it's just doubling at speeds that are We'll, you know, we'll never be able to keep up with as a human species in terms of our our intellectual development. So right. we're just getting like steamrolled by technology is getting so smart and is so capable of doing more than we could have ever thought in such a short amount of time. And it's like, that's a perfect point. It's like 10 years ago, social media versus 10, you know, versus today. It's yeah. like in 10 years, like it's I mean, I, I really can't comprehend and I can't wrap my brain around what that's going to look like. Right, I mean, right. Is there, are you going to have any choice in anything? I, know. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, that's a good question, know. right? You don't know. And it's crazy. Like, I mean, I just think too, anyone who like puts things out, there's so much, there's almost like pressure to get it on everything as well. So like, yeah. not only are you posting something on Instagram, but a lot of people then are, you know, posting similar content or just generally content every day on you know when tiktok comes out and it becomes somewhat popular then people want to get on tiktok so then it's like we're just like growing 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 across platforms too and yeah it's crazy man it's crazy and it's crazy that movie was really eye-opening to me because i've always thought about how it seems like if you talk to someone on either side or the middle whoever whoever you're like talking to sometimes you feel like there's like different realities of like what they yes. believe and what they see right. but that movie validated that that like depending totally. on what you're into it's like you kind of can you get shown things that yeah complete your thought and like what you are in, what you interact with which is kind of crazy because then is, you could be is, someone who's down was, that rabbit hole that's like what you believe is the truth and then it's all you see and that's it's it's crazy well, it, it certainly, I think that part of the film helped me to have a bit more compassion for people that were really like outside, what I see is outside of my, you know, value system or core beliefs or views. Right, because I was like, well, yeah. they're, they're, you know, you ask the question, like, how could somebody think that? That's just nuts. Like, you're, yeah. you're insane. And they're over there thinking the same thing about me yeah, or you, right. you know, it's like, yeah. it's because you're curating your own newsfeed through what you you know, basically say you enjoy or like seeing by hitting a, a button or just staying and watching a video for three seconds versus one second. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. you didn't, yeah, 
it's really powerful stuff, but it, uh, and then it also helped me to take a look at how I'm, how I'm, I mean, I don't, we don't have control over this. We can't hack the system. Like this, the computers are smarter than us. I believe, I mean, maybe we can bring some awareness to how we're engaging with it, but it's, it's helped me to sort of, you know, look at some of the things that I'm doing and like, sort of try and work against the system by, yeah. you know, when, when there's videos that get curated for me on YouTube, I like scroll past them all and I get deeper into stuff that I'm not, I haven't been clicking on. Right. Cause yeah. I know that there's a reason why there's four story feeds at the top of my Instagram page that are always there. They're the ones I click on and then I click on it again and it just keeps putting those people up in front of me. And I'm like, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I want to get a different perspective. Let me follow some new accounts. Let me, you know, unfollow these accounts, not because I don't like them, just because I need to, to be refreshed on something yeah. new. And I mean, I know I fall victim to sort of following and watching the same stuff, but as somebody who's into creating content for others that I truly believe it's like, I want this to reach an, my, like a broader audience so I can impact them. Right. You know, I need to be careful about how I'm looking at you know, the content that's out there so I can learn and grow and get better. If I'm seeing the same three people all the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing the best job I can to, to reach more people myself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I try to do a good, I try to do a lot better job of, I'm definitely not good at it by any means, but trying to just not get into the habit of scrolling as much as I used to just like putting mm-hmm. it away and being present. I just, yeah. I, I noticed just too many times you're where I'm at, you know, not as much anymore, right? Because we're not out doing as many things, but just the, you know, sitting with people and all of a sudden you see people on their phones scrolling. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like I haven't right. seen you guys in a while. We're now we're together and we're all on our phones looking at different social media platforms instead of talking. So that's tough. Yep. It's like, it's like a true addiction. It's crazy. I have, I have a feeling in the future that'll, that'll be something we talk about is just like, it's just like any other thing that people are addicted to. Um, yeah. You know, their phones are definitely another one. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, it took it. I guess the difference being like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it won't be any different. You know, government will start to regulate things and, you know, social media will become a, a, a scheduled substance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no you have right. to, like, like, how do you make sure that people are not consuming too much and, that there's somebody that can control how it gets out to you. It's uh, who knows what's going to happen, but <clears throat> it's um, it's definitely problematic for, for us. Like, you know, I, I'm, I think we're probably right around the same age, but it's like, we're, we're sort of one generation that's maybe finished their academic <clears throat> time in a social media age. Like I know yeah. I was wrapping up college when Facebook was really just getting going. Yeah. Um, but my kids and and even just like the 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 kids that kind of were middle schoolers when Facebook first launched now they hit you know high school and college at like the peak of Facebook and Instagram right. you know how is that impacting you know the d- development of of our next generations i mean yeah my kids are they already know that like not social media but you know they they get the iPad they get yeah. that there's a phone they they get that mom and dad look at it you know, a lot. Okay. And yeah. It's uh, that part is definitely going to present some major, major <clears throat> obstacles to, you know, human development. I yeah. Think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're gonna know it before I will. I don't have kids yet, so that's I'm. You definitely are right. It's gonna be. Uh, um, well, Marcus, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Really pumped to have you. Um, everybody who's listening or watching, Marcus Philly, uh, four-time CrossFit Games athlete. He's an entrepreneur, and really, uh, you know, I found you on uh, on Instagram at some point. I'm sure I, you know, going. We just talked. We were just talking about this before we started, but really going down the uh, the Instagram hole one day, getting into health and fitness. Um, I came across you. So do you mind giving everyone a little intro into you and uh, we'll kick it off? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a decent intro. If, uh, you know, people have seen me or they know of me, then it's likely through the um, either the CrossFit world uh, and ecosystem or, or they're just followers of, uh, you know, online fitness. And maybe they've seen some of the recent functional bodybuilding stuff that I've done. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not much outside of that uh, other than, you know, I came up with a, a passion and a desire to pursue health and health and wellness or um, health and fitness, I suppose. Uh, but that was a, it took me down the path of going to medical school. So I was like a oh, yeah. pre-med undergrad, uh, medical school applicant, matriculated into medical school in 2009, 2008 rather and spent a, a just just over one year in medical school before leaving to pursue a career in health and fitness. Um, more of the traditional gym, um, working one-to-one with people model. And uh, I got my start in really a CrossFit gym local to yeah. where I grew up. And then from there, a lot of things just sort of unfolded through my passion for health and fitness and, and also athletics too. I mean, I yeah. became a CrossFit athlete um, secondary to being interested in developing as a professional in, in fitness uh, as a coach. And then uh, 10 years, you know, 11 years later, I'm still doing this full time and have my own business that I'm, you know, again, trying to spread the message of, of health, fitness, longevity, and sort of just like, I've, I'm, I'm somebody who's gotten really, really granular on different topics, specific things, try to learn as much as I can through the, like the dedication and the commitment to doing something to the best of my ability. And then now I'm like, okay, let me zoom out. Let me take a, a broader look at what, what do people actually need huh. to get better yeah. And apply all the stuff I've learned for the last 20 years in fitness and nutrition so that they can, you know, wade through some of the, some of the BS and some of the yeah. dogma that's out there and, and take what it take, take it for what it really, you know, is it's like, this is a useful tool. It's not the only way, but here's why it's useful. And, you know, decide your own, choose your own adventure. Right. No, I love that. I, uh, when you were taught backing up just a little bit, when you were bringing up uh, medical school, that seems like. Like a lot of people that I know who are in medical school also seem to have, I, I know a decent amount of people who have a interest in health and fitness, but seems like that seems like a huge pivot to make, especially mm. if you're like investing your time in, in a pre-med and wanting to go to med school. How did you, do you remember going through that? What was kind of like the pivotal things that kind of spun you to leave medical school and go down a more, you know, health fitness one-on-one type route? You know, I, I, I definitely had a, um, an interest in the health and fitness world as like the end game 
for this is how you deliver healthcare okay. before I ever went to medical school. So that was an important thing to, to note is that I didn't just like, I wasn't like, I'm going to be a surgeon. I can't wait to go to medical school. I've been dreaming this my whole life. You know, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, halfway through my first year, I was like, Oh, maybe I should try exercise. You know, like it didn't happen that way for me. Um, what it, what happened was that I fell in love with health and fitness, you know, and that was, I was good at all of the things as a student that people would say you should do, you know, you should consider medicine or you should consider, you know, graduate school in the sciences and medical school was the one that sort of jumped out to me because I had some fan, I had family members that were all in health, you know, in traditional healthcare medicine practice, brothers, grandfather, father, mother, people that were like in the system. Yeah. So it was like, okay, you're good at sciences, consider a a graduate level education in science because my two brothers or my brother and my father, my grandfather all had done that. Um, Plus that was kind of like, okay, you're a good student, you know, you should probably just pursue higher education. That's like a good path to a future career, whatever. Um, And so that was why I went the medicine route, but it was, it was very much inspired by the fact that I knew and I had learned before I ever got to medical school that, and this was, uh, I guess you could, okay. 2002 to 2006 is when I was in uh, undergrad at Berkeley and I'm studying a lot of physiology and nutrition. I'm applying things that were new, were just totally groundbreaking things at the time through my own practice. Oh. Right? I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading online publications that are teaching people about how to be healthy, you know, and they're talking about not eating processed carbohydrates, high protein, high fat diets are better, you know, doing resistance training instead of cardio is like a better path to longevity and health and fat loss. Like, Remember back then, like, or people might not know this, but back then, this is like different stuff. Yeah. Now it's a lot more mainstream, but this is way different. And it goes against all the exercise physiology textbooks that I was reading at Berkeley, the authors really? of which were my teachers. It was like exercise physiology and how to like eat for nutrition. It was like, they were like spouting off food pyramid stuff. It was, it was crazy. It was like, you got to do cardiovascular exercise. I remember getting into arguments, not arguments, but being like in a, in a, discussion with a professor and being like, Hey, like what's wrong with high protein? Like if I eat 200 grams of protein a day, what's wrong with that? And there, he was like, your kidneys are going to fail all this. It's like, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, look into my buddy, Matt, who's like my other brainy kind of science friend who does, who lifts weights with me. And he's like, this guy's, this guy's an idiot. Like, that's just not true. He's like, oh, I'm like, wow. I'm like, Matt, what do you think about what he's saying? He's like, so we're learning this stuff by way of Charles Polican and Paul check and, you know, authors on tnation.com and we're, we're applying the principles we're, we're doing it. And I'm like, okay, there's so much here. There's so much that we're like going to learn. And there's so much that we have the power to like basically change how people's health is yeah. through their actions. And, you know, that was like, that was motivating to me. I was like, I'm going to go to medical school. You know, it's like almost like medical school was just in the brain. Like you're going to do it because okay. everyone said you're supposed to do it. Sure. I didn't ever, I never questioned it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. But what I did start to question was like, I'm not going to go and be a general practitioner that just 
you know, pushes medicines on people and sees like, you know, sees them for five minutes and tells them like, you know, eat better, eat more, you know, eat more carbs, less yeah, fat. And right. here's, you know, the some pyramid stuff. blood pressure. Yeah. Here's a blood pressure medic medicine. I was like, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to get my MD, but we're going to change the game on how we approach health and fit, you know, health and oh, wellness. Cool. Yeah, and yeah. We're going to do preventative stuff. And then I got into the system and I was like, whoa, this is a tough system to be a part of making change is not going to be easy. And, and I'm 10 years out from being able to actually pr practice That's any type of too. medicine. Yeah. And I'm 24. Like, do I want to just, I'll get out when I'm 32 and, you know, maybe if I haven't been like totally had the, the inspiration and the, you know, motivation, you know, beat out of me, I'll, I'll hopefully make a change. Like where are things going to be then? This is a yeah. critical time. Like I don't want to miss this powerful time. And this was also when CrossFit was trying to, you know, was growing in a, in a new way and getting people to engage in a conversation that I was desperate to have people engaged in, which was resistance training, moving your body, eating paleo, getting off the carbs. Like they were doing it yeah. every day. And I'm like, I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to go to school for eight years so that I can get out and hopefully, hopefully get people to do what they're, you know, su like banging on the doors at CrossFit gyms to do. I was yeah, like, oh, right. I might be in the wrong place. Well, it's interesting because it sounds like time. I mean, you know, you hear this all the time, but sometimes timing is everything. It seems like, yeah, you kind of were going through a pivotal part of your life and making a decision at a pivotal time in health and fitness, really, if you look back yes. in the grand scheme of that timeline. How did, how did you, so did you kind of, you, did you start hearing about CrossFit, and, but you weren't necessarily doing CrossFit? And then how did you, how did you transition into like the CrossFit? Was it that kind of, was that kind of like the, the kick in the butt to like go check out CrossFit and maybe get involved with that? Yeah, there was a, there was a really interesting two year period of my life from the moment I graduated from college in 2006 to when I started medical school in 2008. So it was okay. like almost exactly two years. I took I took a leave of, well, first off, I didn't apply to medical school until my senior year, whereas most of my classmates applied junior year so that they could, you know, get ex an acceptance and then just move right in. So I was okay. like, look, I need to take at least a year to sort of get some space from this whole thing because I was like, I, there's a lot happening in my life. I've never slowed down to kind of try a different route or you know, I was like, I'm going to take a gap year, right? Yeah. Which a lot of people talk about, you know, and, and foreign, you know, Canadians and Europeans do this. Uh, but um, I then in that time also had subsequently decided to, you know, I applied and then I deferred my enrollment to medical school so I could have another full year. So I basically bought myself two years. And in that two years, I traveled a lot internationally to um some for, you know a bunch of foreign countries to gain some perspective to just be in different cultures to get out of the normal routine i worked in a couple of different industries here near my home where i grew up and i also kept pursuing fitness so like i had a a big fitness background and a competitive athletic background through college things started to shift. I mentioned already, like I was training in a new way. I was lifting weights. I was following some protocols that were, you know, a lot more strength conditioning focused than your traditional bodybuilding stuff. I was learning a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I was always on the search for like new fitness, uh, ways to consume fitness, like to, to learn about fitness. And it just so happened that in 2006, seven, 
right after that college period, uh, I was I was training with this group of individuals around here at the local gym, and one of them happened to live in San Francisco, just down the street from from what was you know from from what was then San Francisco CrossFit, and oh, it was yeah. this outdoor parking lot type of you know, fitness thing. And she was like, Oh yeah, I go to these CrossFit classes and it's like in this parking lot, you should come with me. And it was like the third time I had heard the term CrossFit kind of pop up. And because I was friends with her, I was like, sure, let's, let's go. You know? So I went and that was like kind of my first intro to CrossFit. I had a class like the day I arrived, it was a class that was led by, you know, the kind of well-known Kelly Starrett, the owner of the gym, very charismatic you know, owner of the ready state. Um, and it really like hit something inside of me. I was like, wow, this is pretty special. So I kind of dabbled in his classes and then, you know, looked at the website crossfit.com and sort of consumed as much as I could in that two year period. Okay. Um, got it. So I was getting exposure to it, but then I went to medical school and I was like at the, you know, Ohio State University, Columbus, Ohio, oh, yeah. you know, Midwest, Midwest, totally like, you know, California kid just sort of what didn't know what was going to hit him at all. Right. Um, yeah. And I was just like forced to kind of figure out what was, ha- you know, what to do with my fitness while I was there because time demands were huge. I was training at the school gym, you know, CrossFit at the time. I mean, people think of Columbus, Ohio now. And it's synonymous with like Rogue Fitness. Rogue Fitness yeah. is built out of basically like downtown Columbus. It's a massive, massive enterprise that is, you know, proud to be, you know, Ohio made, right? Um, at the time when I was at medical school, oh, uh, Rogue Fitness or CrossFit Gehanna was about a 40 minute drive from campus. And it was nothing. I mean, it was a sm- I mean, it was not nothing. It was a small gym. They didn't have. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there was no, there were no CrossFit gyms in Columbus proper at the time. So I was like, I, I, you know, I don't have time to drive 30, 40 minutes a day in each direction to go to a CrossFit workout. So I just did CrossFit in like the, you know, the local or in in the school gym. And, and it was funny. It was like, you know, I'm on the, the third floor using the rowing machine and then I'd run downstairs and do some squats and then I'd run back <laughs> upstairs and get on the rowing machine. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So you kind of, you got the bug for CrossFit and functional fitness. This is the question I always love to ask, you know, someone like you, because I kind of went through the same thing. It was like, when did you, so you, did you notice, because you had a background in like physiology and nutrition and all that. Did you, did you, once you went to a CrossFit class, did you think it was goofy at first? Or did you think like, oh, this actually makes more sense to do this than like traditional bodybuilding. I know, I know you like, we can get into it. Obviously like your, your form of functional bodybuilding is a combination, but just always curious when people first get into CrossFit and then start actually practicing it, like the thought process behind like how it works and if, it, if it's, you know, a good or bad or mixed, you know, sure. way of training. Yeah. I, I kind of came from this, this, uh, standpoint of, I had been exploring different fitness approaches for a while and, you know, I didn't consider like, like I, you, you could find me in that period of time in my life. You could find me taking a spin class at Gold's gym. You could find me taking the physio physio ball stability challenge at the gym. 
You could also find me over there squatting in the, in the squat rack or doing leg presses. And then you could see me doing, you know, curls in the, in the, by the dumbbell rack. Like I, I was, I was all about doing all of it. And in college I had a, I bought like a really cheap, you know, street road bike and in the Ber- in Berkeley, there's a bunch of say, hills, the Berkeley spot. Hills, and I would just go and ride around. You know, like I'd ride in the hills. So I'd road bike, and I played soccer, and I had collegiate strength conditioning where we learned how to power clean and power snatch. And you know, I was a goalkeeper in college. So I was used to jumping and diving, and you know, doing all the messy field work. And right. So I mean, there was nothing, and and all of it was. I wasn't, I didn't look at every part of it as like, what's the, what's the best way? What's the right way to train? I was like, does this give me a feeling that I'm looking for with, with movement and fitness, which is, you know, and, and it was like, when I was considering efficacy, it was like, it wasn't just like, did it help me lose body fat or gain muscle? But was it like, did I feel like I could express myself physically in a, in a fun and you know engaging way that pr- produced some strength and had some physiological outcome that made me feel great you know yeah okay both mentally and emotionally and you know spiritually physically whatever um and all of those things that i mentioned could do that even the yoga classes that i took in college as part of like mandated from the soccer coach yeah i was like i got into that you know it sucked that we had to wake up at 5 30 in the morning to go take these classes but by the end of it, I was always excited and happy about it. So when, when CrossFit, when I first got exposed to CrossFit, I had already been exposed to a lot of stuff. You know, I wasn't mixing and mashing different, like training concepts together. Wasn't totally new to me. Um, now I hadn't done anything exactly like CrossFit for sure, but I had deadlifted. I had done sprints. I had jumped on boxes and right. on the first day of class, we kind of did all of that in the same workout. And I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. Plus, it was like super invigorating and it made me feel good. Granted, I had a massive training background already. So I came in with the prerequisite strength and like skills to do it. Right. Whereas most people that get CrossFit, you know, uh, christened don't have that. They come yeah. in and they, they're like, whoa, I've never deadlifted before. And they made me, you know, go ham on the first day. So, but when I, so that, that's, that's when I experienced CrossFit for the first time, it was like, this is, this makes a lot of sense. This is great. You know, I'm, I wasn't, I was not like, you know, you shouldn't put, you know, heavy, you know, uh, heavy hinging and sprinting, you know, back to back because that could ruin some strength adaptation or, you know, I wasn't, I was not like a, uh, wasn't analyzing it from a academic standpoint or anything like that. I was, I was in it for the experience. And then of course the experiences over time led me to develop my own kind of belief systems and draw my own conclusions about how applicable this is to a broad audience. And that's how I look at everything in fitness. I'm like, everything has got merit. It's just, if I'm trying to educate if I choose as a professional to want to educate this small little narrow group of people, then I'll do everything I can to figure out that what I'm teaching that small narrow group of people works for them. And it might be, get super specific, but I'm more interested in like reaching a broad audience. 
that was my goal from the beginning with the health and fitness thing and the healthcare thing. Okay. Like I'm going to go to medical school because I want to treat the general population. I don't want to become a super specialist. So if I'm looking at fitness from a broad spectrum, I need to, again, I need to value like a lot, a lot of different methodologies that are out there and see that what are the merits of CrossFit for the broad audience? What are the merits of yoga for the broad audience? What are the merits of, you know, uh, low level, long duration cardio for the broad audience? And what are the limitations of each of these things? And that's how I ended up, you know, kind of spending a lot of my time with CrossFit was I was an elite competitor, but always looking through the lens of like, how does this, how is, is this good for the general population? Right. And I absolutely okay. arrived at, no, this is not good for the general population. Being an elite competitor in fitness is like saying, yeah, it's really good to play like NFL level football if you're just like a, an everyday dad. That's a good idea. Got like it. put on pads and go run into other 300 pound men at your top speed. Like who's going to recommend that to a guy who's in his mid thirties to you know mid forties He's got two kids and is trying to just live a balanced life. It's sure, just, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't take a 40 year old, you know, who's got two kids in a, in a, in a busy career and you say, Hey, you should go do this professional CrossFit thing three days a week. It's a really good idea. Go and train this super high intensity thing for two hours and crush yourself because it's, it's, it's totally aligned with what you're doing. So that's again, like, I know I just went on a bit of a rant, but it's no, like it was great looking at, each of these things through the lens of, okay, what's the, what's the value of it? Okay. Deadlifts and sprints on the beach. That was my first CrossFit class. It was so fun and it had so much uh, utility for me and I loved it. And I saw, I immediately saw the value and then back up 10 years of experience. Should I be sending my mom out to the beach right now to do deadlifts and sprints in a group of 15 or 20 where I'm not confident based upon the skill set of the coach that she's going to get adequate instruction on how to do this in a way that is safe enough to offset the potential benefits that she might get. Got <laughs> like, that's it. Okay. a lot of yeah. questions yeah. to yeah, pack yeah, up yeah, into yeah. one, one, one quick decision. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And that seems like that's like a, it's a pretty common feedback, you know, of CrossFit in general. And then, you know, obviously I think a lot of people go straight to, you know, scaling and just changing to simpler movements. But I always wonder, you know, um, to your point, I mean, I, I know a lot of people also who have gotten into CrossFit and I mean, I don't know, I guess myself, like I've actually never done a class, like, a, like I've never actually been to a, a box and done a class. I have a garage yeah. gym though, and I've set it up to do like CrossFit functional movements really mostly. Sure. Um, but it's interesting because then I also know a whole group, ton of people who, um, got really into CrossFit, got really hurt, and then have not done it again. So I always, so it's yeah. interesting to me to hear your perspective on it because I think that must be – people get really into it and maybe get too into it and aren't ready. Um, it can hurt themselves. So it's, it's interesting because I think there's lots yeah. of perspectives. But then – so for you then, I know obviously you, know, you got into it, um, obviously got competitive. Was that on purpose or did, were you just like standing out in your class and decided mm -hmm. you maybe wanted to compete? How did you actually get to be a competitive – CrossFit athlete, because I think, you know, a lot of people listening yeah. do functional fitness. And I think, you know, there's a big gap between just getting into it and doing the movements and the Metcons sure. and everything to yeah. actually like getting to the competitive level. 
Yeah, well, uh, nowadays it's it's quite different, you know, than it used to be. Um, yeah, I know you've interviewed people like Matt Fraser, and you know he came on the scene in two thousand and uh, I guess his first games was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I think it was fourteen. Um, right? So in two thousand thirteen, he kind of had started. All right, yeah, that was about yeah, was four like, years. Think, yeah, yeah, he had like a year of like, yeah. I'm gonna, which yeah. So, but that was like, that's like four years after I kind of entered the scene. And the difference was that like, at that point, there was like the Reebok CrossFit games. Yeah. There was yeah. televised CrossFit games. There was, you know, a prize purse that was like, you know, it was, it was enticing to somebody. And there was a, there was an actual season to the CrossFit sport. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, now fast forward another five or six years again, it's like just more of a structure to the sport. And when there's more structure to a sport, there's more dollars in the sport. There's more sponsorships and incentives as an athlete to be a part of it. Then you start to get people that are like, Hey, I want to go do that sport. Yeah. But when I started in 2009, there was a, there was a barbecue, you know, 2008, 2007, there was a barbecue at the ranch where people got together and kind of threw down. And it was like, Come That's show so us cool. what you're made of. It wasn't like a sport, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. I never got, I didn't get into it like, oh, I want to become a CrossFit athlete. There was no such thing. It was like there wasn't CrossFit like a athlete. thing, right? It was, no, was, no, there were, there were CrossFitters that were, um, there were business owners. There were CrossFit business owners that kind of had like the edge because they technically got to spend all day in the gym. Yeah. Whereas, Right. And so yeah, that sense. was kind of the dream. It was like, I want to be, I wanted to be like in the gym coaching people and then getting to express myself physically through workouts throughout the day. And that was kind of the lifestyle I wanted to have. Okay. Um, so that's, is that and, not to cut you off, but is that, is that yeah. what you think? Cause one thing I, as I got into, into like learning about CrossFit, I thought it was really interesting to understand how, like at the top level, how much these guys and girls train. Like it's, yes. I mean, it's morning, usually an afternoon session and evening. Yeah. Like, there's like usually like three times a day for a lot of these people that they have like legitimate, what sure. would be an intense training session once a day for the normal person yeah. is like, they're doing this three times a day for the most part, a lot of days a week. Um, yeah. Do, is that well, kind that's of maybe also, where that started? Was that just like, no, 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 it, no. It, that, that has evolved uh, so much in the last okay. 12 years. Um, 13 years to be exact to when the first CrossFit Games started. So there's been 13 of them. And, you know, this notion of volume training, like you, you're just, you're describing really started with, uh, I, I think the first athlete to really, even if you go back far enough, there's a guy named Miko Sela who won the CrossFit Games in 2009. And he was the first individual to show up at the CrossFit games and when, and well, and when he was like kind of like a no, like somebody people didn't know, yeah. um, an unknown. And then when they evaluated his training methods, it was clear like, Oh, this guy does a lot of volume oh, okay. relative to the other CrossFit athletes. Yeah. So most CrossFit athletes up until that point had really stuck to the CrossFit kind of doctrine, which is like high intensity, constantly varied. Like, you know, you're doing one or two wads a day, but you're going all out. Versus Miko, who did, he did wads, but he really did a ton of volume. He ran, he did long endurance, he did pretty long weight training sessions, he did Metcons, he did all of that within a day. Ah. And nobody was really like training in that way prior to that. So then he kind of shows up and then 
this other guy, Rich Froning, gets on the scene and he's just like a, a total fitness junkie, essentially. Yeah. Okay. He just wants to work out all day. And he, he basically sets up his life to do that. And he does CrossFit all day, which if you're really doing high, like the highest levels of intensity in, in performance training, then, you know, there's the more, per, the more intensity, the less volume you can tolerate. Yeah. So Rich kind of like lowered his intensity a little bit and just did the most massive amount of volume that anybody had ever seen. And people were just like blown away by that. Got and it. that okay. became the norm as the years progressed to a point now, which, which like to be a competitive CrossFitter, you need to put in a tremendous amount of volume. And over time, you kind of raise your capacity for like raising intensity yeah. um, because when an event like the CrossFit games comes around or one of the sanctional events, you have to endure a lot of contractions over, over a whole weekend or four days. And therefore you need a big training base and a big volume base to do that. So that's very different. And when we were like, when I was starting out, you know, I would train once a day and that was it. Like okay. Got it. Th yeah. this notion of doing like three sessions, you know, that, that, so so the business owner, wow. CrossFit okay. coach yeah. and CrossFit athlete, you could kind of do it all back then yeah. because it wasn't, it wasn't like a six hour a day training endeavor. Whereas yeah, right. now to be in the top of the sport, you have to train a lot. You cannot just do a single session a day and, and think you're going to make it to the CrossFit games. Um, you know, granted that, that can change like in the off season versus in season, but it's a, it's a, it's a whole different commitment level now than it used to be. Got it. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So that's cool. That's cool to hear that. I have never actually like just walked through that evolution of the sport um, for you. And then obviously, you know, like I said at the beginning, four-time CrossFit Games athlete, you finished 12th in 2016, which is, I think that was your highest finish ever, right? What was, what was that year like? So that was kind of, at that point, I mean, CrossFit was definitely that was becoming like a mainstream thing and sure. it was televised yeah. and it was, you know, big arena, the whole thing. What was that like competing? Yeah. I, I that's, I mean, that's something I will, you know, there, there's kind of like the, the old era and the new era of the sport. Yeah. And I think around 2014, 15 is when it started to shift. And so to be able to compete and be successful before and then continue to compete and be successful after that shift to me was sort of like, okay, I've seen, I've seen this sport obviously, uh, or through a, a big evolution. Yeah. Um, now granted, if I would go back and compete today and if I could be, you know, it's, it's now gone up another notch, but, um, you know, my, my competitive career in the open division of like athlete ages is, is way beyond me. It's gone. It's gone. 2016 was a special year. It was that 10 year anniversary of the CrossFit games. And they kind of pulled out a lot of, you know, extra, you know, excitement factor they flew us up to um you know the crossfit ranch uh yeah. from southern california kind of unexpectedly we got to play you know we got to play in the the big soccer stadium down at um the StubHub center which is the last time that they had held it there there was just a lot of cool things that happened that year and and it was you know it was, it was pretty clear to me it was likely going to be my last big push and big year to compete because my wife was pregnant and the next year we were going to have a baby and there's, and my business was changing. So there's a lot changing. So it was yeah. like, okay, this is kind of my last year to just be all in on, on training. I don't need to do anything else. 
I can sort of be a hundred percent focused on this. Uh, whereas next year it's going to be focused on family, focus on different things. Yeah. Um, so I really just, I, I just soaked up all the parts of it. I, I was, I was like very aware that I was living a very unique experience, getting to train most days without any obligations or any responsibilities. I had literally just sold my CrossFit, my shares in my CrossFit affiliate to back, oh. uh, back to my partners. Okay. And I was kind of a free agent. I was like coaching some clients online. Um, they were, my, my former partners were sort of like paying me a monthly, like, you know, sort of settlement for my shares. So I was like, I had a little income going. I wasn't, I was like, you know, I just want to focus on doing as well as I can in CrossFit. And, um, and I was also peaking in terms of my physical abilities from essentially like a two year to three year focused effort in building myself as an athlete. So I got got into the individual sport in 2013 coming off of being a part of the team sport which are the two different kind of yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and becoming, you know, getting into the individual sport, I basically had like, you know, some weaknesses I had to shore up as a, as an athlete, which I spent the better part of, you know, four years trying to shore up. And here I was arriving in 2016, like, okay, this is the most complete package I've ever brought to the, to the, to the sport. And I'm ready. And this is like, I'm in a good mental space and I've had, in a number of years of coming to the CrossFit games as an individual and sort of getting some experience under my belt. I was like, I was the oldest competitor uh, next to Josh Bridges, who was a couple years older than me. So I felt like I was mature. Like, I'm like, you know, I see young kids in there that were just like starry eyed, like, Oh my God, I'm at the games. And I'm like, right. I'm sure. So I I was in a good position and I, I just had like an absolute blast. What people What's interesting is like, I, I say that because at the end of the weekend, I was in 12th place and I was like, you know, thumbs up. Everything was great. Like, this was a great experience for me, but the first two days of competition were brutal. Like I, I had fun in, in elements of it, but I was like down the leaderboard. I was not performing well and everything was just like, this is, this is it. I, I put all this time and energy and I felt so good. And you know, here I am like taking 35th place on workouts. Like this is not okay. Yeah. That would be um, frustrating. I can only imagine. And then I woke up on Saturday and uh, you know, my, I think my brother, my oldest brother texted me something. He's like, well, you know, you got nothing to lose. Just get out there and win an event. And I was just like, <laughs> it was like when you like, it's kind of like that, that, that piece of advice that you almost are like, it pisses you off. You're like, yeah. dude, like it's easy to go out and win an event. Like, come on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> First yeah. event of the day. I go out. It's uh, this this event at the soccer stadium. There's 40 athletes. They break them up into two heats. Of course, I'm in the lower half, so I go with the first 20 athletes, and there's another 20 to come, right? Yeah, right. And in that first heat of 20, I win the heat, and I'm like way ahead of everyone else. And I'm like, whoa, this is like I've never won a heat at the CrossFit Games. Sure, yeah, right. A lot. You know, this yeah. is like totally new. I'm like, granted, someone's going to come and pass me on the next round, but. Hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take it for, for the now. moment. If I'm going to lead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course, like the next heat came and, you know, two or three guys beat me, Brent Fukowski, Matt Fraser, and like one other person, but I was like fourth. That's like, crazy. Oh my God, I got fourth in an event. Like yeah. that's going to help me in the standings. Like I've never gotten a 70 point, you know, bump in the, yeah. in the leaderboard. And then the next event, you know, I went out and 
got, I got another fourth that day, another heat win that day. I was like, Whoa, like something's going on, you know? <laughs> so I had like this epic day and, uh, and then came back the following day, got another heat win. You know, I'm like, uh, it's fire. So things yeah. just like, yeah, fire ramped up in the last, you know, uh, 36 hours of the competition. And that's my memory of it. Right. You know, Which not the, the first two days where I like, I got like the last place in the swim and I was like last place in the run at the ranch and like, I, whatever, that's all gone. Like sure. I, yeah, yeah. I crushed it on the, on the last two days. It's I think it's more important to finish strong than anything. So oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. That's exciting. That's so cool, man. That's such a, a cool story. Um, I know. I think what, which movie I was getting confused. I've watched that, that documentary of that year. I think there's, there's yeah. one out, right? Cause yeah, I've watched that whole thing. Um, yeah. So cool. It's gotta be, like you said, it's an experience that you'll always get to hold on to. Oh um, yeah. And sure. then the next thing I was, I wanted to bounce to was obviously, you know, doing some research before this, I, I've I read a little bit about, um, did you, I, I, I took away that you finally got to a point where obviously training at that level for that many years has got to be just tough on the body. Like, I mean, you guys are in yeah. incredible shape to be competing at the games, but I'm sure from a, longevity perspective that's not an intensity and maybe even like weight that you can continue to do for a lifetime is my assumption so is this then when you started to think like is there a better way to train for longevity and is this where the functional bodybuilding which is what you've coined is that kind of when it became a thing towards the end of your crossfit career i was just curious yeah yeah, precisely how you came with with all that it was kind of like after after i finished the 2016 season I needed to, I needed a little bit of a, like a re, a refresh on my body. I was like pretty, pretty beat down, pretty okay. broken. I had um, a number of injuries and just anybody that's been through like a very, very intense physical build like the CrossFit games or, you know, multi-month, maybe a multi-year peak knows that on the other end of that peak, there's some like physiological fallout that happens yeah i'm sure you know not just like oh man my shoulder's wonky but like your whole energy system is off the hormones are off you're just like motivation drive like you know once the once the goal has been reached or is beyond you're beyond the goal it's like yeah your well, body's sure, like, like okay excitement and, and like just the build to get into the games after that it's like all right what's next yeah i'm sure that's Ex- a tough thing i've run a very different but i've run a marathon i remember like you just build up to build up to it. And then when you're done, you're like, okay, why do I, what, what am I going to go run a bunch of miles for now? It's, like, it's, sure, it's tough yeah. to get your, your mindset back into it. Well, yeah. And, and if you've, and if, and if you've really invested a lot physically, you know, you, we I'll just think of it this way. Like we all have a certain capacity, you know, and uh, amount of energy stored in us. Yeah. However okay. you want to define energy. Sure. You know, you've just depleted all of that. Right. And now you get to the other side of it the motivation's gone, the daily drive is gone, and your whole resilience resource capacity tank is on empty. So nothing is functioning well. And that was me for like many, many months. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, I I don't have it in me to do any of the CrossFit stuff. Like I'm, I'm basically feeling like probably a lot of the general population feels every day from being poorly resourced by because they don't eat well they don't sleep well they have a lot of stress in their life and they don't have good habits okay that's how i feel right now yeah it's 2016 it's october and i want to get myself feeling better again 
Matter of fact, I started training and lifting weights and doing fitness because it made me feel good. Yeah, but yeah, CrossFit yeah. sport, you know, it, it can make me feel good in some ways, but as a tool to attack this new place that I find myself in, which is depleted, energy low, you know, the, the now stress of like, okay, I have a baby that's on, the, you know, it's due yeah. in three months. Oh, yeah. I'm now, I have to like, now I can't just like, you know, it's, it's not just this honeymoon phase. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out how to build my next business. Cause the, the old business is gone. I need something that's more sustainable for me in terms of a fitness approach, which has always been at the center of me having a healthy lifestyle and yeah. a health and like just my well being being there. Got right. It. So that was where I needed to kind of, and I, and I couldn't turn my back on CrossFit because it was just so ingrained in me. There were so many positive things that came from it. I love the movements. I love the, the idea of doing mixed modal conditioning. I love that I could build, you know, training programs that had cardio and weight training all blended together. Like, so it was going to stay there, but I also wanted to like fall upon my old training methods of like just getting into the gym and getting a pump, you know, yeah, going, yeah. There we go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna I'm, see I'm, how I'm good just, your we're we're gonna see how good your post production editing is. There we go, man. Fiasco. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're good, man. I was actually laughing when you responded because I said this must be par par for the course for anyone who's related to CrossFit. Because when I had Matt on, we had a full blown power outage right in the middle, <laughs> and it was hard to get him on. And I was like, "Fuck!" And I had right in the middle of it, and then it, our power was out for three days. It was like this huge tornado. Really? that went through Chicago and just knocked out oh, a ton of, so it was like all of West Chicago was out of power for like three to five days. And so, oh, man, that's brutal. I yeah. know it's no, ours. Like I don't even it. know. I mean, there's nothing that would, would suggest a power outage is happening. I mean, it's like blue skies, totally clear out. There's you no, you guys have weather. like those blackouts though. Don't you? I mean, you guys have like, we uh, do. Yeah. But man. not, not typically this time of year and they usually announce it ahead of time oh okay That's we've good. <laughs> also had like a we all we've had a handful of like electrical issues this summer because we upgraded to solar oh and nice in the process of like getting the solar system set up there's been some some issues like we overloaded the the grid because oh, we were wow. producing power and like the the converter on the street wasn't handling it well and it like kind of went faulty Oh, so wow. we were having power. I was having like daily power outages that were just like, I was like, what is happening? My internet is getting so messed up. Like oh, every such a bummer. It's honest. funny how we're, we're just so stuck to the internet too. You I know. know what I mean? It's I like, know. it's constant, man. Um, yeah. But cool. Um, just so you know, too, I, I have, uh, I do have to run at 10 my time. So in about yeah, that's minutes. fine. I, that's okay. We can, we can start to move in that direction. And I, I, I have some things I should probably get to as well, but okay. yeah, Perfect. let's do it. Um, so I think, I think we were talking, um, if I remember correctly, we were, we were getting into, uh, functional bodybuilding and how you were coming up with the kind of the concept yeah. and you were talking yeah. about just like, you know, after the games in 2016, I believe, um, yeah. just the exhaustion and kind of getting your mental and physical state back in place. And then you wanted something that could kind of get you feeling good again. Um, and then I think we lost you there after that. Oh, we good? There we go. Yep. Yep. Good. I had an unstable connection. Yeah, no, you're right. We were, that's where we were at in the conversation. And, uh, it was, 
yeah, there was a number of things that just sort of pointed towards me needing to shift things for myself. And then on top of that, I always use social media as a platform with my crossfitting. This goes back to 2012 when I first started getting coached by an individual coach where the method by which I would report back to my individual coach was create a blog and showcase my training on that blog. So I used my blog, which people search hard enough, they can find it on (laughs) on the internet. But I had a blog where I used to, to showcase training results in my training journey and process. That's cool. That training process that was showcased through the blog got a lot of, you know, a small amount of attention, but it got some early adopters and followers and people that ended up being clients of mine. Then when Instagram became a tool that I could use and I got used to using it, I was like, oh, this is basically where I'm going to, I'm going to blog. I'm just going to yeah. put my, my training here. And I didn't show highlights. I showed the process. I did that for years. I did that when I was a competitor. I showed highlights for sure, but I also showed just like, this is how I train. Yeah. That helped me grow my own business, helped me grow, a, you know, just a, a process of like teaching people. And I love that. Yeah. So then post-2016, as my training is changing to sort of help facilitate my health and wellness and, and balance in life, I'm showing, as I was showing that on social media, people got really interested in it. So my, I was a competitive CrossFit athlete who was getting this level of engagement. Then post CrossFit games, I started sharing exercises like, you know, with bands and doing rehab stuff and doing things that were not traditional CrossFit. And it got more engagement. People were like, Ah. Whoa, Marcus, what are you doing? I see you're doing muscle ups one day and then you're doing banded isolation work another day and you're doing landmine presses and things that people weren't typically seeing on my channel and other CrossFit games athletes channels. For sure. Yeah. Like, so the response was, Hey, I want more of this. How do I get more of this? And that kind of was the first indication that, Hey, look, this audience is interested in something that's, that goes beyond just the daily high intensity grind. They want more, they want more, thoughtful training approaches and at least exposure to stuff. So that was like when I was having this feeling of like my, my training is a bit bodybuilding, a bit functional. It's a combination. People like it. I'll coin this term. I mean, functional bodybuilding had been used in a variety of different contexts prior to that, but I started to attach it to what I was doing. And then things sort of took off from there where it's like for the last three or four years, we've been more and more defining what the brand and the method of functional bodybuilding is. And people, you know, it's really captured a lot of attention because people resonate with it a lot. You know, I didn't just like, and I wasn't like, I need to come up with something that like really is different. It was like, no, I just was doing what I was doing. People liked it. I spoke, you know, it spoke to them. So we did more of it. Right. Got it. Okay. And how did you, was was bodybuilding just always something that you, you know, you yourself, you were interested in and then you were like, this is something I should bring back into the fold with CrossFit movements. Like, I'm curious how you, how you decide like what, you know, and maybe give everyone maybe it's a real brief, you know, overview of like what that, what functional bodybuilding means. Maybe that'd be helpful too. Sure. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's just, just for like general consumption out there. It's like people know functional from sort of GPP training, CrossFit, different types of 
functional training. People know bodybuilding from like you go to the gym and you you lift to like impact your aesthetics, like change the way you look. I mean, obviously there's bodybuilding the sport. Most people that say they do bodybuilding, it means they go and do like a kind of a body part split at the gym and they just, they focus on developing their body parts through muscular contractions. Yeah. And so it's like, well, are you a bodybuilder? Are you a functional trainer? Or do you do a little bit of both? And do you want to be in the middle? Are you somebody that values good quality movement and, you know, movements that might be, have carry over to your life? And are you somebody that values aesthetics? Like you want to look good. Yeah. Most people are kind of somewhere in the middle, you know, maybe they sli- they, they lean a little bit more towards the aesthetic side, or maybe they lean more towards the functional side, but you know, there's a few people that are like, I just want to be able to be strong and I don't care if I look terrible. Right. Right. You know, and there's, yeah. and there's other people that are like, I want to look really good, but I don't want to be able to like not walk and like go for a hike, you know? Yeah, right. So that's functional bodybuilding in a nutshell. Okay. And the methods that get you there are, are very vast and, and wide. And, of course, as we've done it, as I've delivered it, and what I tend to really love to do, you know, has more, it, it talks to people more, and there's more of that showing up in our training programs. Um, and the bodybuilding influence that I had was, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to look, I want to have muscles. So I go to right. the gym to lift, you yeah. know, and I followed, you know, the muscle magazine workouts. Um, and I, and I appreciated the sport of bodybuilding. You know, I've followed competitors. I, I knew a lot about the sport or yeah. in my early days of training and loved looking up to like the old school bodybuilders that even pre- preceded Arnold, but Arnold being you know, one of the big influences for sure for me. Um, I, I mean, it takes, it takes tremendous discipline to change your body. Tremendous yeah. discipline you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, just like it takes tremendous discipline to learn how to snatch 150 kilos, right? That's definitely, yeah. But it's, they're just different sports. Not One's not better than the other, in my opinion. They're just athletes that are doing something physically. They're, they're trying to transform themselves physically. So I, I value all of that stuff. I think it's really cool. It's always been of interest to me. And, um, and so I have a lot of that bodybuilding background in me from when I was a teenager in my early 20s. I have a lot of that functional fitness background from my my years of being a collegiate athlete as well as CrossFit. Uh, and I, I look back on all of it and, and I can see the things that I did in each each arena that were really valuable and applicable to a wide audience and things that I did in each arena that were not and that are probably contraindicated to a wide audience like the extreme dieting for bodybuilding to get sub you know sub five percent body fat like nobody needs to do that very few people need to do that unless you're getting paid to do it and it's not conducive to a healthy balanced lifestyle just like you know doing four tough training sessions a day with multiple metcons and you know weight training like that's not necessary you don't need to do that to live a healthy balanced lifestyle so um but i don't regret having done each of them you know because yeah, i learned right, a lot from it right no that makes sense that totally makes sense no that's really cool i think um you know it's something i've i've been interested in. i've been following what you've been putting out um and i was curious too i think the other thing for people listening if you want to check it out um so your your plans you sell like the plan itself right and are they they're normally just give everyone background because there's a lot of different things out there it's a certain amount of, is it like a, 
certain amount of weeks. So you're buying like upfront, like a, a training plan for a certain amount of time. And then you bring out new ones that you, you buy each individually. Is that how that works? Yeah. So really our now, now it's like the functional bodybuilding subscription uh, is called persist. You sign up for our persist training program and they're cycles of six, six weeks of training. We have a minimalist track and we have a full equipment track. So, you know, that was, that was brought on by the pandemic. People that yeah. are training at home, people that are training with minimal equipment. That's actually something that will be very, very common in the years to come, even after gyms reopen and, you know, the pandemic is behind us. People have grown to appreciate the ease and the, uh, you know, flexibility that training at home or training with minimal equipment offers them. So I think that we're going to always have some place for that within our program design. Gotcha. But you sign up for the program, you get, you know, being part of our program, you're going to get access to this great training. You're going to get a training app that helps you to understand why you're doing what you're doing, full of coaches' notes and training, you know, exercise demonstration videos, et cetera. You know, we have a community page that people engage on and they ask questions and they post their results to. Um, we do, I do a, a free live webinar for our members every single month where I, you know, put together a slide deck with my business partner. We talk about a specific topic that's very interesting and re relevant to our, our audience because they're the ones that are feeding us this kind of content ideas. Yeah. Um, and then we have like, you know, periodic, we have nutrition lifestyle challenges to accompany the training program. So there's a place all throughout this, you know, functional bodybuilding world to learn. So I say we're a free education company and you can experience it through a paid option of doing our training programs. Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm cool. teaching people all the time. That's what I just, I put out, you know, two emails a week with educational content in it. Every one of my social media posts is here are free movements that you can try. This is why I do it. Some I go into more depth on the method than others, but it's just content to, to consume and to learn from. You know, we have great downloads on our website where you can go and get sample training programs. You can get sample nutrition programs. You can learn a ton. So it's like, come learn from me because yeah. I feel like the more you, the more I can offer in the way of education, the more, you know, I'm going to, potentially have an impact on your long-term success. And when people resonate with a, with a method and with an idea and they want to go and experience it, then, you know, that's where I can provide you like a, you know, a, a, an experience that you can, that that's the business. It's pay for the, pay for the program. Got it. Yeah. Love it. No, that's really cool. It's really cool. How can people uh, find you and find revival strength and all your plans? What's the best place for people to check out? Yeah, go to revival-strength.com and please sign up for that that newsletter, that email list. Um, you know, we have a really we put I there hasn't been a week that's gone by in the last three years where I haven't put out a a content-driven email that you know breaks down something that is ideally useful for somebody in their health and fitness journey. So if you sign up to the email list, you're gonna get some great program offers, free, you know, free programs that are just going to, you can go and explore and try today. You're going to get content every single week that hopefully is useful to you. It's, it's not, uh, it's not super salesy. It's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. learn, learn from us. And then periodically we'll tell you about a program that we're launching that you can take part in if you want to. And, um, 
you know, sign up and, and be part of the, the growing functional bodybuilding subscription community. Um, so that's it. That's it. And then you can go to Mar- Marcus Philly on Instagram. Um, and that's a great place to just see what's happening every, you know, every day. Yeah. In the training yeah, yeah. life. Yeah. You got the yeah. cool setup, high quality sure. camera, the whole thing. It's legit. Doing, yeah, I'm doing legit. it. I got, I got my, I got my, uh, I became the media department for our company during COVID. So um, oh, nice. there you go. I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning all about yeah. this stuff as, as uh, quickly as I can. There's a lot to it. Um, the last two questions I always love to ask guests. Number yeah. one, um, if you had to suggest one book, uh, source like podcast source of knowledge in general to the listeners, what would that be? Ooh, I mean, I would, I would go very broad and just say like, I'm somebody who my, my limitations in, you know, reading, uh, things on actual, like, like text, like books. And, you know, I, I struggle to consume information off the page fast enough for it to really like capture me. Okay. Audible.com yeah. was just like, just it's totally changed my, my life. Like I awesome. now consume books and yeah. I really, and I, I do believe it's like, Anybody that I really respect and admire, um, I look at, you know, what is, what is something that they do? It's typically they read a lot and they meditate. Yeah. <laughs> and I've yep. been wanting to incorporate both those into my life for a long time in a structured way. And I'm like, thanks to Audible, I'm able to like, you know, read at a, a re- you know, I, I, I can outpace my one credit a month, yeah. which is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. which is, which I think is great. So that's awesome. Um, I know I always have a problem with Audible with um, just bad narrators, but if you get yeah. good ones, it's it's a game changer, and you actually like, oh it, yeah, it's gotten I mean, it can be it's like gotten better. Different. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's gotten yeah. People they authors now recognize how important that is, and they're they're getting better narrators, or they themselves are reading it. Yes, and it's you know, the thankfully, there's the the one point five or two x speed for the uh, the slow talkers out there. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That's awesome. Yeah. Very good advice. Love that. Um, and then last question, love to ask people, someone like you, who's, you know, always trying to put out content, you run a business, um, you have a crazy training schedule and you're a, you know, a dad, a husband, you have a busy life. What do you use to, um, set goals and basically plan like daily tasks in like weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever you focus on. Is it like simple as pen and paper? Do you have apps you use? Like what do you use to organize everything you got to do? Um, yeah, well, I'm getting better at the weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual planning from a business perspective. That's, uh, sort of been, uh, you know, goal for, for me and my business partner for the last, you know, three to six months is to actually get out of the weeds of like, we're always just kind of triaging and catching up and, you know, feeling like we're just, we're just barely breathing. Yeah. Um, right. so that, and that has been a combination of like, you know, setting a good meeting cadence, uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly meeting schedules, and then having like good follow-up, uh, documents that say, this is what we're actually doing. But for, for me on a day-to-day basis, I, I have a, I have a journal, you know, a pen Love and paper it. journal. And then I have my notes, um, you know, on my, on my, on my Apple computer that I open up and, you know, it syncs to my phone. So, you know, if I have, I'm constantly like updating different notes on there and then, maybe once a week I'll go through and clean it out and just like, you know, get rid of all the the stuff that's just accumulating in the, in the notes section. But 
um, the combination of those two things helps keep me just focused on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Got it. Love it. And then Slack, Slack for business has been hugely impactful. We adopted Slack for our business just because of COVID and all of our employees were at home and our coaches were at home. We're like, Oh, we need this thing. And I'm like, why the hell didn't we use this before? Like so nice. there's just, it's so, I mean, I, I don't even know what I'd do without it. It's it like, really does. Have a, if you're, if, unless you're dealing with external people, if you're mainly dealing with internal people, it's just so much more efficient than email. Oh my gosh. So much more, so much yeah. better. So, that's but the then other. again, I can't like, for some reason I can't like, I can't streamline everything to one place. I've got, you know, with my business partner, I've got text messages, DMS, yeah. you know, emails and Slack messages. And we often joke like, we, where did I put that message to, to you? It's like, we got to no, just cut all we, the other stuff we need out. A, just, someone needs to come up with something where it just combines everything. I even exactly. say that for this podcast. Half the time I'm like on Instagram or LinkedIn and then it moves to email and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like always talking to people on all sorts of different stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, Marcus, Thank you so much. This was a great episode. A lot of fun yeah, getting to know you and, and chat. Apologize everything. for all the tech, tech we have. No worries, yeah. man. It's, it's, we're all on Zoom these days. Like everyone, everyone is on the same page with technical difficulties. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Um, and we'll definitely yeah, have to do this again. You. I think we can go down a lot of different rabbit holes. So I appreciate definitely. the time, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. We'll have a good one, Marcus. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Shane. Bye-bye. All right. See ya.